Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey everybody, it's me. Announcement time before we get started today. We have done 67 weeks now. Actually, I guess it's more than that when you factor in holidays and vacations. But wow, the little show that could. Can't thank you enough. But all good things do come to an end. So news is, I'm going to be winding this down over the next few weeks. However, I'm cooking up something else. Because I'm still curious, you're still curious. I want to get back out there in the world face-to-face with people and then bring that to you. So... That's my little teaser. More will come right here. You'll see it pop up in this feed, so don't unsubscribe or anything like that just yet. We'll be back in the fall. Until then, I've got this one and then three more, and I think they're really good ones because we are not going out without having some fun. You ever go camping, and it's late, and you're around the fire, or it's just about bedtime, and you get in the tent and into the sleeping bag, but then you hear something. What? What is that? Is that a deer? Is that a bear? This is probably just your imagination. Or was it? All these episodes have titles, so let's just be honest here. Do you ever wonder if it was a Bigfoot? I've got questions. Yeah, today we are going into the realm of certain TV channels or radio stations when it gets into the overnight hours. We are talking about the weird stuff, the fringe stuff, but not so out there that you just say, no way. It's close enough that maybe it makes you wonder. There's a whole book on this, and I've got it, and I liked it, and it's by Colin Dickey. He is a cultural historian. I'm the author of The Unidentified. Mythical Monsters, Alien Encounters, and Our Obsession with the Unexplained. So that's a lot of ground to cover. How did this actually get going? for you. Yeah, it sort of started kind of randomly. My first book was actually about why a bunch of famous people's heads were stolen in the 19th century. Uh, Beethoven, Mozart, Goya, the painter all had their skulls stolen after they died. Wait, what? Right, right. So it, it led me to phrenology, this debunked junk science that was um, sort of invented in 1790 and flourished for a few decades. Basically, the idea that you can read somebody's personality 
through the bumps on their skull. Newsflash, you can't, but hey, interesting, I guess. So that started, I think, my interest in the fact that there's a lot of stuff that I think mainstream culture considers kind of fringe. My argument is that these things actually have an enormous influence in ways that are often kind of unexpected. All right, following so far, big influence and nothing bigger than Bigfoot, right? Is that the kind of path into this? Because I feel like most people at least have an idea of Bigfoot. Yeah, it's a good sort of gateway into sort of understanding. I think like I grew up in the 80s and, and Bigfoot was just one of those things like the Loch Ness Monster. Bermuda Triangle. That was mine. Remember that guy? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? When I started actually doing the research for the Unidentified, one of the things that really struck me was the heyday of Bigfoot sightings, you know, when it kind of exploded in a, into popular consciousness was in the 50s, in the 1950s. And one of the things that it seemed like was happening was a generation of men had come back from World War II, where they were heroes and soldiers and veterans and had become instead guys in suits at desk jobs. And so there was this rise of, you know, the adventure magazines and these kind of venues where men could sort of imagine and that's the home for a lot of the Bigfoot lore that it grew out of this. And I thought that was just like a fascinating thing that as a child in the 80s, I never would have thought. Huh. Yeah. And do most of these things kind of follow a pattern? Do they do they ebb and flow? Do they roller coaster up and down? Or are there points where they're just assumed that, of course, that's a real thing? And then we kind of backtrack to, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I think what's really, really fascinating is I think a lot of the animals that you and I like take for granted started as, you know, sort of cryptid beliefs, you know, cryptid being the sort of catch-all for Bigfoot and the Chupacabra. And kind of one of the most famous ones is this fish called the the coelacant. Google it. C-O-E-L-A-C-A-N-T-H. Which scientists believe had gone extinct 40 million years ago until in the 30s, a South African zoologist found one in a fishing net. And, you know, once she found this body, they found coelacants, and, and now we know there are these populations that exist. And the difference between Bigfoot, we have spent a lot of time looking, and all that people really have seemed to produce are grainy photographs and videos, hair samples that don't hold up under DNA, and footprints, you know. And, you know, I, I was listening to a primatologist at a, at a cryptozoology conference a few years ago, and he was just like, stop sending me footprints, you know, send me a body. Send me something with a DNA sample that we can test. You know, like it's one thing to think, well, maybe there's something out there. But once you go out looking and you look and you look and you look and you can't find it, maybe it's time to question whether or not that thing's actually real. Do not email me your complaints if you think or you know you have seen one. Also, though, I'm disappointed to say this. The same thing probably goes for Nessie, right? Sorry. You know, it's like the amount of people who have just hung out on the shores of Loch Ness with cameras, with trop sonars, you know, they've all gone looking, you know, and I think another thing about Loch Ness, you know, the idea that it's, you know, maybe it's a dinosaur that somehow sort of lived is like, you need more than one Loch Ness monster, you need a population, you need a breeding population, right? So it wouldn't just be a matter of finding like one Loch Ness monster, you'd have to find, you know, I don't know what the critical mass would be to sort of keep that population alive in that lake for tens of thousands and millions of years. We would need a bunch, right? Wouldn't we? Yeah. We would. People who are looking for Loch Ness, what you really want is the Gloucester Sea Serpent. I don't know what that is, but yes, I want it. Which is this large sea serpent that showed up off the coast of Massachusetts in 1812. And this was a thing that was around for like a month. 
it was like a thing to do. If you lived in Boston, you're like, what are you going to do this weekend? Well, we're going to take the carriage out to Gloucester and see the sea serpent. Hundreds of people saw this thing and like nobody knows exactly what it was. And that seems that seems a lot more sort of evidentiary to me than, uh, you know, one guy with a, you know, out of focus uh, photograph and, you know, his word. And when you find that kind of stuff, what goes through your head? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally fascinating to me, you know, and, and I think that that story, it's it's sort of crazy because, you know, everybody was convinced it was a, a thing because they had so many eyewitnesses. They had, you know, people who testified under oath what they had seen. And then they found this very bizarre four foot long serpent uh, with these sort of weird ridges. You know, all the scientists in charge were like, oh, great, we found a baby. This is just the baby version of whatever that thing was. But then it turned out that what they had found basically was a a snake with a bad case of rickets. <laughs> yeah, poor buddy. So then they're like, OK, well, so ergo, the the whole sea serpent thing is is a myth. But I'm like, no, you, you prove that you didn't get the baby. You see, I'm not leaving you all with no hope for the weird stuff out there. Best example is the time that meat fell from the sky. Right. Yeah. The great Kentucky meat shower. To distinguish it from the lesser meat showers of days gone by. Yeah. So this was 1876. Olympia Springs, Kentucky. Bright May day. And this woman, uh, her name was Mrs. Crouch, and she was with her grandson on her farm. And it began to rain meat from the sky, like chunks of meat, you know, maybe a few inches wide. Again, this was not like a lone sighting. People came from all over the town. There were attempts by various very stalwart individuals to actually sample the meat and taste it and see if they could identify it by taste, which I would not have done and do not recommend. Yeah, better them than me. Yeah. Uh, right. Couldn't couldn't identify it. There is still to this day in Transylvania University in Kentucky, a jar of, um, you know, solvent formaldehyde kind of stuff and in it is this thing which um i you know as far as we know is the last extant piece of the great kentucky meat shower that has been preserved and i i went to kentucky to see it it is weird and gross they did a dna test on it it was it was totally inconclusive isn't there like a, a vulture theory that went around the newspapers but that also depended on all of them kind of letting loose at the same time. Right, exactly. Yeah. So the best sort of uh, hypothesis is that, you know, it was a group of a flock of vultures. And sometimes apparently when vultures want to get lift, they will basically vomit to kind of lighten the load. And they apparently do it in sort of groups of one vulture vomits that there are other vultures nearby. They all do it, I guess, like actually, you know, I think I get it. I think I'm good. Oh, you know, so that that's sort of like the best possible version. But I think that, yeah, as you said, that would have taken a lot of vultures and and nobody reported, you know, that kind of site. It is both the most plausible explanation and also as an explanation, it kind of sucks and it leaves a lot of questions. It's where we end up sometimes. You know, I'm thinking about the sort of through line that you have that for a lot of this stuff, it's still with us because basically we want it to be. It's like the X-Files. I want to believe. Yeah, that's that's I think where I got to with the book is I think I approached it with a with a mostly open mind, but you know, a little little skeptical. I think that that drive for wonder and mystery is so, you know, primal for lack of a better word in us. It's the idea that now we've got the internet, we've got satellites, we've got all this information. Is there mystery anymore? Is there still something in the woods. You know, when you think about kind of medieval maps, right, there was this thing where at the edge of the kind of known world, you know, map makers would would draw, you know, dragons or sort of fantastical beasts. And so I think there's this desire to believe that there's always some kind of frontier. There's always some kind of edge. We kind of dream of the idea of a, of a frontier 
and something that that lies beyond it and and we tend to populate that something with things like bigfoot or aliens or sea creatures bermuda because we are not getting out of here without another Bermuda Triangle mention. Thank you, Colin. He's got a new book coming out, too, called Under the Eye of Power. It's about secret societies, so watch for that. And watch for our next episode, not next week, but the week after. We are going into our final three. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.